Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Welcome back to Wrestling with Freddie. Thank you for coming back to us. I had a lovely winter break. I hope you guys did as well. I went on a trip with the kids. trip. Uh, before you have kids, they're called vacations. They're wonderful. They're fantastic. And post-kids, they're called trips. And there is no such thing as a vacation until they graduate and move out. So let's start the show. Welcome to Wrestling with Freddie. Now, stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. Well, we went to Hawaii, home of the rock, and it was lovely. I felt the mana. I felt the magic. I've always felt the magic there. Actually lived there when I was a little kid, only for six months. My mom was uh, working in a hotel. She was in the hotel industry. She was a chef. And uh, we stayed on Oahu in Honolulu, but I was just a little kid. But I guess you just get some kind of weird connection to that place. The only thing I could link it to that I felt similar is New Mexico because it's such an old land. I mean, when we were kids, we would go on field trips to like, the Anasazi ruins, which were built into walls, and you would see civilizations that lived there. There's a magic to New Mexico, but Hawaii is a special place, I think. And The Rock talks about mana, right? But that's that's real because it's like lava coming from the center of the earth out, and it's it it's an earth builder. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of power there, and it's very humbling. And uh, the point of this is, when I'm an old, fat, retired guy. I'll probably live there and I'll start my own little indie Hawaiian wrestling federation. But I digress. We're back to the show and it's going to be uh, no guest today. You're stuck with Uncle Freddie and you're going to get some stories. And I thought we would kind of take it old school, not old school like the old days, but just old school, meaning uh, three of the dudes that uh, weren't necessarily people I worked with, but people that had an impact on me. Uh, that were there before me during uh, my time there and long after. And we'd start, and I've talked about John Cena's distaste for me when I was there a little bit, but I thought we would kind of deep dive into that, um, deep dive into my relationship with with Kane, who is Mayor Glenn Jacobs. That's right, people. He is the mayor of a small town in Tennessee. And uh, and then finally with Chris Jericho, with a conversation he and I had about, that really kind of broke down Vince for me 
and people go, I love your, your, your perspective and your philosophy on Vince. Well, these perspectives come from experiences with other people who are more experienced than me. And I sort of, I, I rely on their, on their knowledge to kind of come up with my own opinions. We live in a world today where opinions are solidified so quickly because of a like button or even worse, the retweet. Cause then you're, you're, you're reiterating something that you just saw that must be fact. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm 45, so I didn't grow up with that. And I kind of wait to make my, my opinion on someone until I have as much information as I'm comfortable with. And my generation is just, I think maybe comfortable with more or uncomfortable with less information. Maybe that's a very Bruce Lee way to say it. We started at the company and, uh, me and this other writer, Angelo who I've, I've mentioned uh, a couple times on the show before, all the writers would take heat from meaning they would catch a lot of crap from the talent because a lot of the old school talent doesn't think there's a need for writers. And I tend to agree with a lot of them because a lot of the, the men and women that are over in that company are highly capable of writing or improving their own promos in ring or backstage, and they don't really require writers. Cena, I mean, Brian Gewertz wrote for him, but Cena could write his own promos if he wanted to. And I'm a hundred percent certain that he did many a time, or at least rewrote what Brian laid down for him in some bullet points and then filled it in. They worked together, but John was a hundred percent capable as people can see. Now he's an incredibly talented actor, uh, and a, a talented artist period. And I've always said, I respected John, even though he didn't like me when I was there because I was an actor, which he is now. Um, but I always respected him because John was willing to wear the crown during the G rated era. And that was a crown that no top guy wanted. John made his bones being the opposite of the Marine. John made his bones being a brash, in-your-face white rapper who would talk trash to you. And, uh, you know, it, there was nothing Marine-ish about him. And then when he became the Marine and he became the world champion and he found a gimmick that would stick, right? Because he's not any of those things. He's all of those things. And it's about finding certain personality types that you think will make an impact. And when he found the Marine character, even when you booed him, he, he would take the booze, right? The way a soldier would take it, the way a soldier returning from Vietnam was, was, you know, yelled at and people were throwing things at our soldiers coming home. You know, you really try, you saw John really trying to embody that character and other guys could have taken it. Like Triple H could have worn that crown, but Triple H didn't want to do segments in the first hour of Raw when it was still family friendly. He wanted to be in the last hour of SmackDown or Raw and do his DX adult stuff, the stuff that got him over, the stuff that he always did once he found the right character, right? So he could have taken the crown. Vince would have gladly given it to him, but he chose not to. John took this on himself. And you, I mean, you don't have to respect that, but a guy like me is just programmed to respect the hell out of that. So when I got there, I already had respect for John. And the first time I met him, he called me Ashton Kutcher. So <laughs> you have to understand, I'm going in there as positive as, as a human being could possibly be. Looking at this guy like, dang, man, that's, 
that's a thankless. I'm not saying this, but in my head, I'm like, this it's a thankless job. He's getting booed for being the good guy so much. And you know it bugs him. And he's been public about it now and said that, yeah, that, that bothered him sometimes. He learned to embrace it. And when he did, they started cheering again, which is crazy. Um, and a cool journey on itself. But uh, I met him and he hated me. It wasn't even that he hated me. It was just like a total disregard. I think he called me Ashton Kusher. And uh, you go, oh, great. We got Ashton Kusher working here now. And I take everything with a, with a smile and a, and a chuckle. And I, I, I don't take myself seriously, but I take what I do very seriously. And I was there to work. And I've said this before. I don't mind earning it. So I go, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm a, I'll earn it. Now, I never wrote anything for John because, like I said, he didn't need it. And Brian Gewertz was his guy the same way the, he was the Rock's guy. And Brian knows what he's doing. And uh, so I never had to work with him. I worked with other talent that he would be in segments with sometimes and sometimes would write like a half of a segment. Believe it or not, there would be two writers, each one writing a different half of the segment. Don't ask me how it works. Oh, wait, it doesn't. So maybe they shouldn't do that. But uh, I, you know, dealt with him a lot. And when we, it got awkward when I started the acting class. So we had... I've told you the stories before our numbers when we first started. And uh, this was before the class was real popular, but a lot of the younger talent, the FCW, which is now NXT talent uh, that were coming up, they were just looking to brush up their, their acting skills. And so we started doing scenes from movies they liked. I said, you, you find any movie you want. I'm not gonna make you do any of the crap work. You send it to me, I'll transcribe it, I'll give it to you a physical copy and an email so you always have it. When you lose it, I will print you up another one. All you have to do is the scene work, breaking down the moments. Why is the character saying this? What's the motivation? Let's look at the scene on an overview. What's the obstacle and what's the goal? What do you want and what's preventing you from getting there? And once you start to analyze that, it's like practicing a martial arts technique. You stop thinking about it and you just start doing it. And that's when acting feels more real is when actors aren't searching for lines or trying to remember blocking because they rehearsed and put in the work. And that way your take one is actually pretty damn good instead of it taking 14, 15 takes because an actor was lazy. Uh, I get a little triggered by lazy actors, if you can't tell. This will turn into a 30-minute podcast about people not knowing their shit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway. I was working these scenes with the talent and I think it was Ryder and Hawkins and they were doing a scene from bad boys with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, which was making me laugh before they even started just to see these two guys do it. And they actually did really well with the scene. And in the middle of this class, this scene, John just swings open the door, grabs a, a folding chair that we were all sitting in, sets it down in between hawkins and Ryder, and sits in it and just looks at me like what are you gonna do and in my head i'm just like what the why would you do why would you make this about you man like why wouldn't you wait until after this like what why would you interrupt this and i get answers to this in a moment but i don't say anything i just go hey man you want to talk to me outside 
And he stands up right away and he's humongous, dude. He's built like Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four for crying out loud. And we go outside. So I'm not going to fight the dude. So we go outside and I go, man, what the hell was that? And he goes, that's what I was about to ask you. <laughs> so he has zero respect for whatever process I'm, I'm attempting to bring to the table, right? And we kind of jaw back and forth for a minute. And, he, and these are his words. And he would, he would admit to all this. It's not a bad thing. Com- confrontation is good. Conflict is good. That's how situations get resolved. When you avoid it, it becomes passive aggressive. And then it carries on and on and on. And it affects your work. It affects their work. And then it affects the company's work. And then everyone sucks. A lot of passive aggression in Hollywood. So, so I'm of the opinion you should just confront situations head on. And that's what we did. And he said, look, maybe I'm a Neanderthal, his words. And he says, but I just don't see how any of this shit works. And I'm looking at him like in my head. And look, now look, in hindsight, he's out here making movies. So it's all, it's a grow, it's a growing experience, a learning experience for all of us in the end, whether we recognize that or not. But I look at him and I say, Hey man, not everybody can do what you do. All right. I'm not saying, Hey, can I work with John and can I give him acting lessons? When I had my first meeting with Steph, I said, why the hell weren't you Duke and GI Joe? You're the best actor on the roster. I said, but I'm trying to get them to a level where you're at or close to it. Because if I don't, who the hell is? And he kind of like shrugged his shoulders and like exhaled. And I said, Hey man, it's not like you're helping him out. And that kind of like tightened up his humongous muscles. (laughs) These massive shoulders that kind of like tensed up and he goes, yeah, all right, whatever. And he walked away and I go back in and uh, Cardona's like, dude, I thought you guys were going to fight. I'm like, bro, I'm not trying to fight the Incredible Hulk, man. Shut up. So we finished the class and uh, I get on, we have our taping of whatever show it was that day. Monday Night Raw because John was there and uh, he was the face of the company and Monday Night Raw was the show of the company back then. So... I'm on the jet. We're flying back to White Plains, New York from whatever city we're in, Cleveland or wherever it was. And Vince has me hold out my hands. He's got some hand sanitizer and he's, he's, you know, he doesn't like germs. And so he starts to put some hand sanitizer in my hand. And then as a rib won't stop, he just keeps squeezing it and squeezing it. And he's just staring me down and I'm staring him down. Right. It's not like I can just let the crap fall in his G4, G5, whatever it is, G something, because that's disrespectful, but I'm not going to whine or whimper or tap out. So I just let him empty the bottle and I stand up and I slap it down in the sink in the bathroom, wipe my hands. I come back in and he's laughing. He thinks it's great. And Kevin Dunn thinks it's the greatest joke that anyone's ever pulled off in the history of jokes. (laughs) And, uh, I sit down and Vince goes, so heard you had a little, uh, little problem with Cena today. (laughs) And I'm like, nah, man, I try to downplay it. I go, nah, I think he's just testing me, man. All you guys like to test me. And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. I'm the only one that can fire you anyway. And Kevin laughs at the, ah, he starts laughing at Vince's joke. I'm like, man, that wasn't even that good. And, uh, but I, I, I learn in that moment, like, yo, don't worry about it. Keep doing your thing. If they're giving you crap, I'm the only one that you need to worry about giving you crap right you could take it from everyone else is how i took it to to me so 
I go in there and I'm just hopeful that he doesn't interrupt the class again. And to his credit, he never did, not even once. And as time went on, he called, he still said, Hey, what's up, Ashton Kusher? I think one time I used to wear this hat that my uncle, he was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he, when he passed away, I, I stole it from the, from the house. And uh, I used to wear it a lot because my uncle's real responsible for the man that I grew up to become. I'm named for him. His name is James Barber. And my middle name is James. My son's middle name is James. It's, it, he's an important man in our, in our family's history. Side quest, uh, a very important man. And he demanded not only respect for himself, but he always demanded the family show respect to one another. He was in and out of our lives a lot because he had a lot of problems coming back from, from Vietnam. I remember I used to have to crumple up newspaper and toss it at him when he'd be napping on the couch to wake him up for dinner. Cause if you went, well, I learned the hard way. If you went and shook him, you were on your back and his hand was on your throat. Cause in his head, he was still in the war. He had to do just look up reconnaissance Marines, Vietnam, and you'll know what he had to do. We're not going to make this depressing. So anyway, I'm wearing this hat and he goes, oh, nice douchey hat. And I hit him. I don't even look at him when I say it. I go, it was my uncle's. He was in Vietnam. And John just goes, oh, 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 like that, right? He never talked about the hat ever again. So there is respect there. It just has to be something he deems worthy of respect or you got to earn it. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So six months in, I'm doing a segment, and it was with uh, Santino Morella. Beth Phoenix and some and someone else. I can't I can't remember who else. And I'm sitting next to Vince in Gorilla. And the segment's going well because Ant or Santino is the man. Like anything you wrote, 
he will make better. I, I loved working with him. When he was on SmackDown, I got to work with him all the time. And we would just crack each other up with jokes, like on what the scene's going to be, things he would say, words he could butcher, and he would just knock it dead no matter, no matter what. And he needed so little direction. You could, if anything, it was only to like tighten it up because he could go on for 30 minutes and we only had two. So it was a segment that was going really well. Again, all credit to the talent especially in the case of of uh of the lion it's going well and vince gives me the elbow to the ribs but not the fu elbow it's it's not like the the randy macho man finisher elbow it's like the revitalizing elbow when he hit hogan with it and woke hogan up which is like horrible <laughs> it should have never happened but it happened he's giving you the positive elbow, like hey good job kid goddamn and cena is back there too because he's in the next segment I think I'm even wearing my uncle's hat. And uh, he says, and again, I'm, my eyes are on the monitors. We're just backstage. They call it gorilla position. It's where they come out of the curtain and walk to the ring, for those of you that don't really watch the brand. And see, so he's back there waiting for his time. And he goes, hey, man, that was, a, that was a really good segment. And I didn't even look at him. I just went, yeah, whatever. And just stayed locked in. And I feel Vince kind of give me another nudge, which was either chill out or well done. I don't know which one it was. We didn't talk about it. And uh, that was the moment where I was like, all right, he's, I think, I think I earned his respect. And I don't, but I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he was just like, well, I'm just done crapping on him because the boss is right there. But either way, we never had an issue or, or a conflict ever again after that. He was always just would give me a nod. He didn't talk about my uncle's hat. He called me Freddie instead of uh, Ashton. By the way, his last name, I think, is Kucher, not Kusher. And I don't know if John knew that, but. You know, you got to say the man's name right. I don't say John Cena. I say John Cena. So anyway, I know people have had fun and I've told some of the Cena stories before. I wanted to be clear, even though he didn't like me and I didn't like John, I respect John. I respected him then. I respect him now. I respect the irony of what he, <laughs> what he's doing now because he hated it. He hated Hollywood so much. But Hollywood doesn't show wrestling the respect that I think wrestling deserves. So I think if there's ever a company man, John Cena is the ultimate company man. Like he would do anything for the company. He would take any bullet for Vince McMahon because that's his experience with the company has always been not, I'm not going to say always been positive. Everyone has ups and downs, but this company found him developed him in OVW, brought him up, made him the face of the company, not for a year, not for two years, not forever, okay? He was the champion forever, him or Randy, and he would always win it back. So his love and respect for that company is the way you would love a, a school counselor that saved your ass and, and put your life on the right track or the way you'd look after your parents if someone spoke against them. So that's where his loyalty was. And Hollywood has never been pro pro wrestling. They're happy to pluck the most talented people and make them a star, but they've always had their, their kind of crappy feelings for it. That'll switch us over to a more positive relationship I had. And that was with Glenn Jacobs, who plays this hideous monster from hell named Kane. And he was the undertaker's brother, younger brother. Thank you very much. And 
He had insecurities throughout his career about being the younger brother. He had conflict with his brother. They had resolutions and wrestled together and were the most powerful tag team in the universe. He had his own singles title runs. He did horror-type wrestling all the way to comedy-type wrestling when he tag-teamed with Brian Danielson, who's in AEW. He's shown a large range as far as what limited range the Kane character allows you to have. He's even starred as the monster in a monster movie. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. You get this image of him, and he is a a hideous beast behind a mask. Why else would he wear a mask? He must be hideous. He wears, when he took the mask off, because he was no longer hideous, he would put in crazy contacts to make himself look more freak, freaky and, 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 and strike fear in the hearts of men. And then you meet Glenn. And you could call him Kane. He responds to either one. And he's a he's like a poet. He, I think he's a, a Mensa member even. Like he's a, this, the dude reads Shakespeare. The guy gave me book recommend. The guy got me to read that Hawaiian, the, the rich dad, poor dad. He, he like, hey man, this book meant a lot to me. You should, you should give it a read. And I'm like, all right, cool. He gave me a book about the Rothschild's system of banking its influence on America and why we should be wary. I'll bet he's way into Bitcoin and why should we should be wary of our paper currency that's barely backed on gold anymore. He gave me this in 2007, y'all. I don't know the name of it. And I'll be honest with you. I only read about a fourth of it. And Bill Burr had a joke. He said, reading puts me to sleep. It, I fell asleep a lot, but I got through a quarter of it and I did learn that the Rothschilds were some evil sons of bitches, and our banking system is corrupt as all hell. So if you want to buy gold, I'm not mad at you. If you want to buy Bitcoin, I get it. But this guy, first of all, I never saw Vince more hands-on with a promo than his feelings for Kane. He has this weird... I've described Vince as a, as a, as a kid with a toy box, right? And they're all his toys, and you have to play with them the way he wants you to play with them. But he's never more particular than when he was with Kane. It, it, for real. He never yelled at me louder. And we would go back and forth from time to time. But most of the time, dude was really cool with my with my ideas. The, uh, the ones that got to him. <laughs> Sometimes they die on the vine before they even get there. And they go, no, the show's full. I remember I came in there. And I don't remember the promo. This is, you know, however many, over 10 years ago. But there was the word destroyed. He reads the word destroyed and he stops and he looks at me and he's like pissed off at me. Like I've done something not wrong, but offensive. I go, what? And he shout, he goes, Kane would never say destroyed. He would say obliterate. And I, there's this long pause, right? And you got to remember the way my brain works. I'm not a reactionary dude and I'm comfortable with silence. So I don't mind it. So there's this long pause, and in my head, I'm like, "This isn't a fight that I'm gonna fight. It's 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 a word. I, but I kind of want to know why it's it's so important to to the boss. And so I I take a beat, and I say, "You got it. Obliterate. Are there any other words in here that are gonna get that kind of reaction? And if so, can you tell me why?" And he just gives this grunt that he would give when he's unamused by your amusement, basically. He, want, I, I, he wanted me to take it more seriously, I guess. I was just more like, <clears throat> and he starts reading it through, reading it through. 
And he goes, ah, the rest of it is fine. Just try to make the end a little better. I go, all right. I go back, and uh, there's a writer named Christopher DeJoseph who worked there, and he was always good to me. Not all the writers were good to me. Chris was always cool, man, from Jump Street. And I go in, and he goes, how'd it go? I go, yeah, pretty good. He wants me to rewrite the end. I said, he really hates the word destroyed. And Chris goes, yeah, I wanted to warn you about it, but I just thought it'd be funny if I didn't. I go, what are you talking about, man? He, I said, I've never seen him get angry. He goes, he's so crazy about Kane and the words that you use. when he, I was like, I'm telling you, bro, it was, I've seen actors trip out, right? And I mean trip out where it, over a word, over a line. And you're like, dog, just, just tell him you're saying something different. Like, you don't need to be this dramatic and make it a level 10 need in order to convince them. Like you're the lead of the show. You're the 400 pound gorilla to be like, yo man, I need, I need a different line. You don't even have to say it better. You can say it better if you don't want to worry about their feelings, but you can just say, Hey man, I need a different line here. And it has just as much weight. And so it was a rib on me, but I brought it to, to Glenn and he does his thing and he does what he does. Right. And here's the difference you'll see in like some of the writers. So he kills it and everyone goes, Oh, great promo, Freddie. Great promo. I'm like, man, I didn't do anything. <laughs> like it's just, it's the same speech he's made a hundred times. It's just, you know, different verbiage. That's on, that's on him. The next week they gave the same storyline promo to someone else. Cause I was just trying to help out. They were busy and, and worn down on, on that week's episode. Kane does his thing and kills it. And the writer in charge is like, Hey, Freddie, did you see my promo? What you think, man? I'm just like, yo, man, why are you looking for a compliment? You didn't say nothing. This dude said it. So there was a lot of there was a lot of insecurity and ego in that room. And it wasn't just because I was there. I mean, that that's just a that's a personality trait that either exists or or it doesn't. And you either grow out of it or you don't, right? And a lot of these guys probably grew out of it, and a few of them probably didn't. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to end with Vince McMahon, but to get there, the best perspective I ever got on the man was from Chris Jericho. And Chris was always really cool to me. He didn't have to be. We didn't work together. There was no reason for us to. He was a high-quality actor. Forget the fact that he's one of the best wrestlers ever. Forget all that. He didn't need any help writing a promo. He didn't need any help with direction on how to execute a promo. So there was no reason for for he and I to talk outside of me asking questions about, you know, the history of of wrestling, you know, matches he was in, promos that he had done, just so I could gain information, right? So I'm sitting and I'm talking to him after a match. And uh, he was, I remember his trunks, they were like blue with like sparkles on them. And he was, he was in a, a run with John Cena that culminated in Boston. And this was the week before that. And we were talking about Vince and this idea that I had to uh, to get one of the smaller wrestlers over, which which was Kofi. And we'll get into that storyline in, in another episode, which is the Kofi Gauntlet match, which they took years later and turned into the Kofi Gauntlet match that got him the world championship. The one we came up with was simply pitched for him to win the Intercontinental Championship. So I was talking to him and he said, this one sentence that I'll never forget, he said, Vince is his father's son. And I said, what, did that, what, what, is that, what does that mean? I knew nothing about Vince's dad outside of the fact that Vince got the company from him, you know, years ago and, and, and did like some hard business, but business he felt that had to be done, right? And he goes, Vince's dad only liked the big guys. He never, he never pushed a small guy ever. He just didn't, he didn't believe that a small guy could beat a big guy. He goes, and that's Vince's son. He goes, and he believes that. He goes, I can show him a million UFC tapes. I can show him, you know, a million instances where a smaller guy goes. He goes, said, but outside of, you know, a handful of, of choices that he's made over the years with Ray and with Sean, things like that, he goes, he just doesn't, he doesn't believe in the smaller guys. And I said, yeah, man, but you had all, all the titles. He said, I didn't have them for long. And I was sitting there and it kind of, it didn't hit me right away, but on the plane going home, I never knew my dad, right? So I didn't connect with, with what he was saying at first. And then as I was going home, and I was always trying to think, of, I was always trying to figure Vince out. And there's no figuring anyone out completely. But I was always trying to figure out where his head was at and what would be the best way for me to, to get my ideas over, to contemporize the business, so to speak, right? And I failed a lot regrettably i don't have an issue saying it now it's 10 years later but it sucked you know failing in a segment is one thing failing in a pitch for whatever reason always hurts me more right it's like the infancy of an idea that you're rejecting as opposed to the totality of it i'm sitting on the plane and i start thinking about the father figures that i had my uncle james i called him jimmy uncle jim my godfather bob wall my uncle Ron de Blasio, who was my father's manager, Richard Pryor's manager. He was the one that got me hip to the business real quick. He was the one that taught me the phrase, it's show business, which word's bigger? 
that phrase came from Ron de Blasio. And he didn't get it from anyone else. He'd just been in the game. That was Prince's manager. Y'all remember Prince? Everybody knows Prince? Yeah, that was his manager. The guy's seen everything. Anytime I had questions about Hollywood, not to side quest, but I always went to him before my own agents or managers, just because Ron's seen everything. He's dealt with everyone. I could get a better sense of how to enter a negotiation with Warner Brothers because they're notoriously the most evil, disgusting negotiators in the world. You'll be worth a million bucks. They'll offer you a hundred grand and, and act like you should be thankful. And you got to figure out the people to speak to, when to speak to them, to walk away, to not even respond and, and how they'll react to that. And I always wanted to be able to be three, four, seven. I told you, I want to know how Vince thinks. I would want to know how these studios would think and operate. And so I would always talk to people who had, who had dealt with them before anytime I had a big negotiation, which is why I always got those bumps before the, the rest of the actors. And all you other actors should thank me for helping raise your quotes in the 90s. It's 100% because, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, I think, is credit for that one. I start applying that to me, which helps me then apply my philosophies to Vince. And the WWE was making, this leads us to our final story. And to close, they were making movies. And I'm not going to say they were good movies, but I can say that because I've been in some dogs myself. Y'all aren't allowed to say that or you're just haters. <laughs> no one's allowed to have opinions anymore. So they weren't necessarily great, but they were making movies. And they were making them for $5 million a pop, which limits the type of movie you can make, limits how good it can look. Limits the level of talent you can get. Uh, money helps make a good movie. Granted, you can pull it off without. We've all seen some great movies made for a million dollars or less, considerably less. But for the most part, money can help you get the technology and the talent at the levels you want. So five million back then got you what it got you. And they weren't getting distribution. They were relying on the Walmart DVD distribution deal that they had. They weren't even attempting to go to theaters because they were making enough money off the Walmart releases. And Walmart had paid them in advance because they kind of had a built-in audience, right? There was a writer on the creative team who was a television writer, and I'm not going to say his name, but he was getting, he, he wasn't clicking with what wrestlers needed to say and the types of stories that wrestlers could pull off and the types of stories that we could pull off as a company while having to have wrestling matches. Think about that philosophy. And that was this guy's philosophy. Yeah, but these matches are really affecting the story. It's like, nah, dog, you're supposed to service the matches. This is a wrestling show. That's why Bruce every week would be like, it's a lot of talk. It's a lot of talk. And he was dead on, by the way. So this guy asked Vince if he could transition from the creative team to the film division because he had experience in film. Now he had experience in television, but not really experience in film, uh, this gentleman. Now I respect the man's hustle, but this was a hustle just the same. He started selling his own scripts under a different name, a pen name, which you're allowed to do to the WWE. And then was producing his own movie himself and paying himself to do it. And I saw this right away, right? I, I know a Hollywood hustle when I see one. And Vince, like I said, when you don't have a dad and people call you son, it has an effect on you as a young man. 
I'm 45 now. You can call me son. I'm not going to do anything you ask me to do. <laughs> I'm old and cranky. So I didn't, I felt like there was advantage being taken of. I felt like he should have just said, hey, I wrote this great script. Let's make it. And Vince would have said, yeah, he, he would have said yes. But I didn't like that there was this subversive element to it. So we're on the tarmac in White Plains, New York, which is the home base of the WWE jet. And we're getting ready to fly, I think, to New Orleans. And everybody's bags are out there. And I have I my car's there. I get out of the car. I'm on the phone talking to the wife. I see Vince's limo pull up. And that usually means it's time to get your ass on the plane. Let's go. Vince ain't waiting on nobody. And I go, hey, babe, the boss is here. I'm out. I love you. Bye. Click the phone off. I walk straight up to Vince. I go, hey, man, before we get on the plane, I got to tell you something. I said, you guys are making these $5 million movies. This guy's selling you scripts that would not sell in Hollywood that I'm sure he's tried to sell a dozen times and everyone passed on. And you're paying him for something like that and then paying him to make his own movie. I said, that's five movies a year at $5 million a piece. Or maybe it was four, four movies a year at, four, at $5 million a piece, Vince. He looks me dead in the face. He goes, Freddie, it's $20 million. Get on the fucking plane. And I literally, my jaw must have hit the ground. I looked at him. I said, can I have that job? And he started laughing, slapped me on the back, and I got my ass on the plane, and we flew to wherever we flew to do a match. And I, the whole flight, I'm sitting there like, that's a billionaire. That's, a bil- that's, that's what a billionaire is. I never, I knew Vince a little bit at that point. So he was more comfortable to, to bullshit and, and, and chat a bit. But to hear someone say that the way, like if someone's like, hey, whatever you're, Mike, hey, Mike, can I borrow some money? A normal amount of money you could lend somebody, what, 20, 50 bucks? For me, if a buddy was like, hey, I need some money, I, I probably have a little bit more, then I hook it up. Hey, man, can I get $5 million for a movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. Can we do that four more times? Oh, yeah, that's $25 million. Who cares? Yeah. The whole flight, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm sitting there like, oh, he ain't even, this dude ain't even going to get fired. Vince probably knew it was a hustle. He just doesn't care. He's got the, the money from Walmart already. So it doesn't even matter if the movie makes a dime. So screw it. And it was just, a, I never, I've never looked at my finances that way. <laughs> even if I was in a position to, I don't, I don't think I could do that. But who knows? Maybe I'd be the exact same way. Anyhow, story time is concluding. I hope you guys have fun. I really am enjoying this podcast, and I'm really having a lot of fun talking with you guys. I like when y'all hit me up on on social media. I really enjoy the conversations. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything I say. If you have questions or or you disagree with something, feel free to hit me up. Like I said, I don't take things personally. If you're if you're rude, I'll be rude back. If you're cool, then I'll, I'll be cool. We can we can disagree, and I can. You might even change my mind on some crap. It's been a while. We're gonna have Chris Jericho on, who is has so much knowledge of the business on a on a global scale. And for people that aren't even wrestling fans, we're gonna talk about a lot of the business of wrestling, the legit and some of the illegitimate stuff. And we're gonna get into it on a on a deep level and he's a really cool guy to speak to on that about how the arenas make money who runs the arenas sometimes it's the mob so there's there's a lot of deep stuff that we can talk about and uh have some fun with so even if you're not that into wrestling you might be into some scandalous stories but for those of you who are it's chris jericho we're going to talk wrestling outside of that 
I love talking to you guys. I'll see you guys again next week right here on Wrestling with Freddie. This has been a production of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.